Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts, Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian VCM, and welcome to episode number 92 already of the Latvia Weekly podcast. I am one of your hosts right here, Joe Horgan, and then seated next to me is Mr. Otto Tabuns. We are both here in Yelgava today. And it is pretty hot in this um, recording studio, which we are in right now. So we have the window open. You hear some ambient sounds of downtown Yelgava. Yeah. Um, so for, for those of you who have not joined the show before, so basically what we do each week is we take a look through what happened last week in Latvia. We talk through it. We try to be both informative and entertaining. And uh, Otto is the much more well-informed person than me. So he, I kind of introduce the stories and he um, get, gets a little bit more in-depth into them. But today is opposite day here on Latvia Weekly. Because normally what we do is we start with local stories, things that happened in Latvia. Then we take a look at what happened in the region that's important here. And then we take a look at the week in history. But we're going to do things different today. So we're going to start with this week in history. And again, since Otto is the most, much more well-informed person than me, uh, he has uh, you know, studied Latvian history his entire life, I'm going to hand things over to Otto for this one. So Otto, tell us about what happened in Latvian history this week that we should know about. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so uh, let us start with uh, August 21 of 1991. And uh, this is a uh, very important, uh, but uh, sometimes uh, not so well-remembered day in our history as the date when we regained our independence uh, from the Soviet Union that had occupied us uh, for almost a half century. Uh, and uh, this is uh, very important uh, for us because... Uh, uh, that was a very crucial time uh, for um, both Latvia and uh, other countries that were under the uh, Soviet occupation because uh, there were people in Moscow, in the capital of the Soviet Union, that uh, wanted to reform the Soviet Union. Uh, there were also the ones that wanted to uh, get uh, it back on track and actually have a more conservative uh, stance. And um, it is not clear uh, uh, exactly to which of these two groups uh, President Gorbachev had that time uh, was with. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, the more conservative faction in the Communist Party um, established their own organization and uh, organized a coup, isolating President Gorbachev and uh, trying to uh, crush the uh, pro-independence movements such as we had in Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia and also in other countries uh, controlled by uh, the uh, Soviet Union at that time. Uh, thank goodness uh, they couldn't organize the coup very well, it fell through, and uh, also so did the authority of President Gorbachev and uh, leaders such as Boris Yeltsin, who was the leader of uh, Soviet uh, Russia one of the uh, constituent parts of the Soviet Union, uh, was uh, actually in uh, favor of uh, not uh, keeping up this conflict with mm -hmm. the uh, Baltic states and uh, recognizing uh, them regaining their independence. And so he did, and we did, and now we can uh, uh, remember uh, more than uh, 30 years uh, almost uh, of uh, this period of uh, independence back again. Yeah. And the reason why this is so complicated and uh, why, you know, as Otto mentioned at the beginning, this is a date that is not very well known and is not remembered as much as it really should be, is because uh, here in Latvia, there are many independence days. You know, when you look on the calendar, uh, they're not necessarily days that we have free, but they are mentioned on the calendar because there's the day of the referendum mm -hmm. that took place uh, in uh, 1991 or was it 19 1991 was the referendum, March 
1991 was the referendum on on um, so uh, well that was the um, you mean well in the 19 in March of 1990 you had the election yes of, yeah of, of, of the, of the Yes, so all our, l- let's get it straight because it yeah. is really difficult, yeah. <laughs> as uh, as you <laughs> may know, uh, at least uh, uh, by listening to our show, that the Latin history is very complicated, uh, even for uh, history scholars such as uh, Joe. Yeah, uh, well, uh, don't call me a scholar. No, uh, no, no, no. Well, uh, well, you uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it is always. Uh, challenging to, mm-hmm. to explain Latin history to anyone who is not from Latvia and even, you know, the same Latvian students who uh, have to study Latvian history, uh, it is not always as easy. It may be the same story as with uh, speaking a language as a native language, the same with yeah. history. But so if we go back, so we remember this time at the uh, late 80s when uh, using uh, the relaxation of repressions that were given by the perestroika and glasnost policies of uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, you had a, a number number of um, uh, organizations in the society that were uh, established. One of them was the Latin Popular Front that uh, with the stated goal of helping this glasnost and perestroika uh, actually helped uh, uh, to uh, us uh, to serve as a vehicle for regaining our independence because step by step it was possible uh, to claim uh, more and more and uh, when uh, you had the first multi-party election in the Soviet Union because Mm -hmm. the Popular Front try to pursue the parliamentary way of regaining the independence. When that election happened, they uh, gained majority in the Supreme Council of uh, uh, Latvia at that time. And uh, so it uh, paved the way both to this uh, referendum that was organized, uh, the May 4th uh, Mm -hmm. Declaration of Independence in 1990. Uh, And that's that's, uh, May 4th, 1990. That is the day when we do have a free day in Latvia. It's a day off from work. It's a day off from, well, for a lot of people at least, not not for those who, you know, work in the service industry um but but it is a day it's a bank holiday basically um and that's considered like you know officially the second independence day for latvia from from the um you know regaining independence from the soviet union um but there's a lot of debate over whether it should be that day or over whether it should be the day that um the, the latvian people voted in the referendum the year later mm-hmm. or, or or the official the official day that you just mentioned here in yeah. the week in history so we're sorry that we took a little bit longer than than usual yeah. um on the week in history but it is very important and it's one of the reasons why Otto and i have a secret project that we're cooking up right now about latvian history which we will tell you about once we get a little bit further along with it um but speaking of one person who those of you who listen to the show know very well who was very active during that time in the late 80s. That is Mr. Carlos Strapes, uh, who is the host of Velaisar Strapu. You notice that he is not here with us, uh, unfortunately, today because he couldn't record this morning with us, but he is officially receiving his um, Order of the Three Stars, uh, which is one of the highest... Well, it is the highest civilian. It is the highest, it, it is the highest civilian um, uh, honor in, in Latvia, um, and he is getting that. Uh, on a day that is uh, re- related to what Otto just mentioned, so so he's getting that on the, uh, on, the on the on the twenty first. So congratulations, huge mm-hmm. congratulations to Carla Strapes for that because that is a huge honor and very well deserved, obviously. So um, that is it now for this week in history, and it is time to get now to our international section, which normally we do at the end. But one of the reasons why we wanted to do it backwards this week is because most of you right now. Are, who are watching this from other places in the world and even from this region have Belarus on your mind. And we've gotten a lot of questions from people over what exactly is going on in Belarus. Should we be worried? Is this some kind of repeat of 2014 where there could be an intervention from Russia that could destabilize the region? So we're going to go through that right now. Um, so Otto, can you please take us through what 
exactly happened. We, we already talked about last week that there was an election. There was huge protests after the election. And uh, the scenes that we're seeing on TV are horrifying, shocking, have basically all of the European leaders, and especially the leaders in this region, mm-hmm. completely shocked and, and making uh, pretty strong declarations. Um, so, so what exactly is going on? And how concerned should we be about these events? Yeah. So uh, as we discussed uh, previously, uh, Belarus uh, is indeed a very important country for Latvia. And uh, as we discussed, uh, certainly the uh, election was expected uh, to uh, make a significant impact uh, to the moods and feelings of the Belarusian society. And um, as we can see, that has been the case and still is the case. As uh, the official results uh, state that uh, uh, the current president, uh, Lukashenko, uh, had received approximately 80% of the votes, uh, um, whereas the so-called or the sort of uh, leading uh, figure of the opposition uh, that uh, was uh, running in the election uh, received much, much less. And uh, that is something that has been contested, uh, not at least by uh, the uh, video evidence from uh, some uh, polling uh, uh, stations uh, where you actually had either audio or video recordings of uh, some persons arriving and uh, demanding uh, these protocols to be changed. So uh, I think it is uh, clear that uh, the results uh, are uh, not uh, exactly as uh, they were. And uh, here I uh, liked very much uh, the uh, phrasing that was used by the president of the European Commission, um, Ms. von der Leyen, uh, who asked uh, Belarus to publish the precise results of the election, because apparently Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we still haven't got them. And uh, we have many reasons to believe that uh, that the the, uh, results that were published are uh, certainly not uh, yeah. uh, the representative uh, of uh, what the uh, Belarusian uh, people uh, have uh, voted for. And that is also the concern shared by uh, European uh, countries and also the United States and uh, other international actors. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you also have uh, actors such as Russia, uh, with which um, um, President Lukashenko um, has uh, talked uh, extensively. In recent days, he had several phone calls with President Putin of Russia and uh, um, Apparently, Russia has uh, extended security guarantees mm-hmm. uh, to Belarus, which could uh, mean uh, most likely that, for example, uh, there would be a violent attempt of uh, removing uh, Lukashenko from his position. Uh, then uh, the Russian uh, forces could become involved in this and uh, help him uh, retain his position as Russia is recognizing Mm -hmm. uh, him as the president. And uh, there is this possibility that they could uh, send either regular or special forces uh, to prevent uh, something uh, um, uh, what happened uh, in uh, Ukraine at the uh, end of 2013 and beginning of 2014, as uh, with all the um, issues that Belarus and Russia may have, as we saw, like the disputes about the price of oil that is being sold to Belarus, uh, still uh, Belarus has key strategic significance to Russia, which is 
one of the um, reasons why uh, Russia, of course, is trying to make sure that uh, Belarus stays as an ally and uh, is rather closer than further away. Uh, so we can understand like the interest both for Lukashenko uh, trying to uh, play this uh, in his favor mm. and also the interest of uh, President Putin of uh, not having a change that would get Minsk out of the uh, Russian orbit. Yeah, it's, it's a complicated situation because uh, in a lot of the international media, Belarus often gets painted as kind of Russia's lackey, as kind mm -hmm. of um, this you know, little puppet state mm -hmm. that does basically whatever Russia wants to do. Um, but as we've seen, especially in the last year, that really is not the mm -hmm. case. Uh, and, you know, Mr. Lukashenko has been pushing for closer ties with a lot of the European Union um, neighbors, such as Latvia, Lithuania, mm -hmm. and also, you know, further west as well, much to Russia's chagrin. Um, so, you know, one of the big questions kind of early in this whole situation would be, you know, where would Mr. Putin stand? You know, would he end up backing Mr. Lukashenko, who they have been, you know, not, you know, best friends, you know, mm -hmm. but but definitely uh, allies for so long. And, you know, I, I think it comes down to a lot of uh, Russia's, you know, foreign policy calculus where they do value stability mm -hmm. over uh, m many other things, you know, even, you know, in, in the uh, Syria situation, for example, you know, they're not, I don't think they um, are huge fans necessarily mm -hmm. of uh, Mr. Bashir, um, but, you know, they, they, they don't want, um, you know, basically, you know, a a anarchy mm -hmm. reigning mm -hmm. in uh, a state that's right next door or a destabilized situation mm -hmm. where the EU can come in and no. then just, you know, um, turn them, you know, West kind of as, as, as uh, has been happening with the Ukraine. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very, very tricky situation and, and uh, one, one that we definitely have to keep an eye on. Uh, exactly. And I would also add that there are uh, certainly uh, quite a few uh, decision makers uh, in the European side of this story, including in this region, uh, that uh, um, would keep in mind the need of uh, having a stable Belarus and having uh, also uh, this uh, some kind of a controversial feeling about this because on the mm -hmm. one hand um, it is terrible uh, to see the uh, violence against uh, uh, people, uh, to see these um, 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 unreasonable uh, arrests uh, and things that have been reported uh, from Belarus. Uh, at the same time uh, there is also this uh, worry that uh, for example if uh, President Lukashenko goes uh, then uh, who will come uh, in his place and in a, a strongly presidential system uh, whether um, any other candidate uh, would uh, not bring Belarus uh, closer to uh, Russia, actually, which would uh, certainly uh, not uh, help uh, the security situation of the uh, Baltic states. Mm -hmm. And as I understand, uh, Latvia's diplomatic position would be that the best outcome right now would be holding a re-election. So they're they're not mm -hmm. they're not po they're not pushing for you know, the outright removal, resignation mm -hmm. of Mr. Lukashenko, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're obviously not supporting him, you know, mm -hmm. in, uh, necessarily in this uh, wholeheartedly, uh, but they are pushing for a re-election because as I understood, you know, I was listening to uh, Christoph Andreson's podcast of the Eastern Border, who he's covering this in huge depth. I definitely um, suggest going over and uh, and listening to that if you're interested in, in what's going on in this region. Uh, and he, he mentioned, I, I don't know if you've heard this as well, um, that in a lot of the polling stations, the, the ballots were just completely thrown out as soon. Mm -hmm. So they basically just, you know, wrote a tally and then just throw out the ballot, so there's no way of independently verifying what actually happened, which is insane because yeah. you know, you know, th there could always be recounts, there could always be situations. Yeah. So, so basically, th that makes sense that the only fair way to know, you know, to to, to sort out mm -hmm. the situation would be um, a re-election. Mm -hmm. uh, looks like Belarus is 
firmly against that idea, or at least the Lukashenko government. Yeah. Do you see that as a viable possibility, Otto? Uh, it could uh, come up um, if uh, the the protests persist and uh, there is increasing pressure. Uh, at the same time, um, well, Lukashenko um, announced in one of the uh, last like public uh, meetings that uh, he was in uh, that uh, uh, you would have to, like to kill him uh, to to get uh, another election. So he's keen like to to stay there, uh, like whatever happens, and probably uh, if we uh, may believe his word, uh, if uh, there would be more uh, violence or some uh, violent attempt of removing him, uh, he would uh, not seek uh, asylum, for example, in Russia, as mm -hmm. it was uh, with uh, the uh, Ukrainian leader uh, yeah. who, who left uh, for uh, Russia. At the same time, we can see that, uh, well, Lukashenko, is keeping in mind that the need to uh, de-escalate the situation that, mm -hmm. um, either due to orders or due to their uh, own will. Uh, some people from the security forces have tried to uh, not to intervene in the protests, so that they have uh, 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 put down like their um, shields and uh, have not used their weapons. And also we heard uh, uh, recently that Lukashenko has announced a constitutional reform that will be uh, in Initiated and that uh, uh, people, uh, apparently also the ones from the power structures who were involved in violence, uh, mm -hmm. would uh, be uh, prosecuted. So we will see whether uh, this will be uh, enough to calm the situation down or mm -hmm. the, the protests will uh, go on. Because we ha also have to remember that in Belarus we uh, speak about a country where uh, a very large part of the economy is uh, state-owned. Uh, yeah. So you have like the people from the factories that are going in the protest. Uh, those are state factories, like the ones that produce tractors, the ones that produce all the other things. So mm -hmm. the state uh, and the Lukashenko government would have uh, quite a lot of means uh, of uh, turning against these people, uh, as it would not be if there would be a, a wider share of the private uh, sector. So, so we'll see uh, which of these tools Lukashenko will uh, use and uh, what will be enough for the protests either to, to calm down or or go on. Uh, so th this is a very important time and uh, yeah. we will have to report on this uh, as things will develop quickly. Yeah, and definitely, I mean, you know, we, we only record once a week, so definitely, um, you know, keep an eye on both yeah. Christoph's podcast, um, you know, who does so in a much more biased way. You know, I mean, he definitely is in support of one side on this, you know, I'll, I'll say, but but he does it in a very thorough way. And, you know, he talks to people who are on the ground and everything, mm -hmm. and it's, it's very... Um, very fascinating. Um, you know, I, I will say, though, uh, speaking of other podcasts, uh, which I'm a fan of, I, I've been listening to Mike Duncan's uh, podcast on revolutions, mm -hmm. uh, where he goes through, it's a history podcast, and he goes through a bunch of different revolutions and, um, you know, gives the sh kind of short history of them. And this seems very similar to a lot of situations where you know, the government, re uh, you know, first cracks down very hard, mm -hmm. and then they, you know, it, it just spirals out of control, and they offer concessions, and, you know, it's, it's too little too late. And, and you know, what, what you just mentioned um, you know, the, the, you know, concessions that he's offering, uh, you know, the, the pers uh, prosecutions and everything, you know, I, I, I don't know that my, my gut instinct is, uh, I, I don't know if that's going to, uh, work very well mm -hmm. just based on the, you know, hi history, uh, you know, the, of, of these kind of situations, but we, we will see, and we will definitely continue, um, looking at it. 
yeah. and probably one sentence like to speak about the uh, from about the Latvian perspective is yeah. that if the uh, protests continue and if there is still like the strong need of changing uh, the government, then it is in uh, the Latvian national interest that it happens peacefully and uh, we do not have a humanitarian situation oh, like yeah. refugees coming uh, and uh, major disruptions uh, um, as uh, in uh, Belarus, um, much of it is dependent from uh, state, like the the food supplies and everything. Yeah. So uh, we have to hope for the best, and uh, we'll, we'll continue reporting what the Latvian position uh, is and uh, how the situation is developing. Yeah, and, and moving on, uh, one other thing from the Latvian position. So apparently, uh, the Latvian government is pledging a hundred and I think it's one hundred twenty-five thousand euros, or one hundred fifty, one hundred fifty thousand yes. euros. Yeah, uh, for for Belarusian civil society. Yeah. So how how exactly would that work? So that would be to various NGOs working in Belarus. Would those be international NGOs exactly? How um, how, how would that how would that money actually get spent? Uh, I think that uh, today they will uh, have the meeting uh, with uh, 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 representatives. Uh, I think they will involve. Uh, also some organizations from uh, Latvia so that uh, it, it might be the case that there will be like some uh, grants or some support uh, for um, uh, Latvian NGOs that work with uh, Belarusian NGOs and try to do it like uh, this. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see, we'll probably uh, get some more news like today or uh, tomorrow. Yep. And, and you can follow, um, we'll, we'll probably have it as, um, as, as stories of the day, but uh, you, you can follow the English version of LSM. Uh, they have been covering uh, all of the major press releases mm -hmm. from the um, from the Latvian side, so that you don't have to go search for them and then translate them yourself. So definitely, yeah. um, just and it's always just good to follow the English version mm -hmm. of LSM because they're fantastic. Uh, Mike does awesome job over there, and and all the other guys who do it too. One other international story, um, which is translating into our next section, which is about COVID. <laughs> so a li little bit of a branch. Uh, so the big headline, kind of at the beginning of the week mm -hmm. before you know Russia, uh, before Belarus really kind of um, uh, took a. To, took the spotlight and, and the protests spiraled out of controls was the um, good news that Russia had apparently found a vaccine to COVID-19, mm -hmm. which is, you know, at face value, fantastic mm -hmm. because the world is desperately searching for a, a vaccine for COVID-19 and because, you know, we can't keep the um, economy shut down forever. Uh, however, you know, so sometimes uh, things are too good to be true. They sound too good to be true. And this uh, definitely seems, unfortunately, like one of those mm -hmm. situations, because according to a lot of the internationally recognized, you know, uh, or like um, uh, scientists that, I, that I've talked to, uh, not that I've talked to, that I've listened to, I have not talked to any scientists about this. Uh, but uh, but for all the scientists I've read uh, who are involved in this kind of um, vaccine development and, and, and know the process very well, they said that apparently the process was very rushed uh, it had not finished the uh major trials yet mm -hmm. um so you know there's a lot of question marks as to you know are there any major side effects mm -hmm. from this so it, it does seem that you know according to the data that has been looked at that has been published it, it is effective against mm -hmm. the virus but you know the question is always is the cure mm -hmm. worse than the you know disease itself so you know there, there's not a whole lot of um you know uh, data about you know are there long-term side effects for example so it is very very risky i mean i'm not personally surprised because you know the the, the putin regime um definitely has been losing popularity in in russia recently um you know not to the same extent as you know the lukashenko regime certainly but you know um due to the covid situation due to the economic situation so i can understand from a political perspective um you know why they would want to rush this out because if it does work mm -hmm. which it could you know mm -hmm. it, this could actually be the vaccine um 
but it could also cause massive side effects mm -hmm. and cause a lot of death as well. Um, so if it does work, it is a huge boost to Mr. Putin's popularity, mm -hmm. um, but it could massively backfire as well. So what is your take on this auto? Um, you know, because uh, you, you uh, follow Russia much closer than I yeah. do. So uh, this is certainly a, a, a much expected um, a discovery uh, in Russia. As uh, we know, uh, it is... Uh, it has one of the worst statistics if we talk about uh, COVID, uh, especially in the uh, larger cities. So it has been uh, a major issue uh, for uh, Russia and is also one of the reasons why the uh, EU external border is closed also for um, anyone from uh, Russia uh, coming uh, to uh, the, this uh, side. Mm -hmm. um, um, here, uh, I have heard the reports that uh, the uh, experimental version of this vaccine, and I believe it's still an experimental version because as you rightly mentioned, there is uh, not enough uh, testing and research um, if we would talk about uh, the international standards yeah. that uh, would be used today uh, in the medical uh, and the pharmacy industry. So uh, this experimental vaccine was already available uh, to some members of our, our Russian elite, uh, such as the uh, heads of some uh, companies, their families, um, and uh, so on. Uh, at the same time, uh, um, I have uh, heard reporting that uh, even they had to sign uh, a paper paper uh, yeah. that uh, they would not uh, um, ask for like any uh, responsibility that they had to sign like a disclaimer so that if something mm -hmm. happens uh, they couldn't uh, sue the developer of this vaccine because um, there is still not uh, enough clarity about its effects and uh, you know if we compare it with all the um, plans that we have had in uh, Europe or the United States uh, some estimates have been that it will take uh, perhaps uh, a two years like to, to develop a, a safe vaccine if we ever can do that and also yeah. there is this threat that the COVID virus could um, evolve further meaning that that we could create the vaccine for yesterday's virus, but the virus yeah. that we have today has already uh, gone uh, further. So we'll see how it works. Hopefully it does, uh, but certainly yeah. there are many um, aspects for worry here. One of the things I'm most worried about, and this is something that, uh, that I've heard a lot, um, you know, just among the you know, people I'm friends with and, and also in, in, yeah. in the media as well, is that uh, the anti, the so-called anti-vaccine movement mm -hmm. or vaccine truth movement or, it, it, you know, just... Uh, you know, there's a lot of names to uh, dress up the pseudoscience with a veneer of uh, legitimacy has been gaining massive traction, mm -hmm. unfortunately, over the last decade or so. And if this vaccine is rolled out, does cause massive problems, that's just going to add fuel to the fire. That's just going, you know, the, these people who will cherry pick any single you know piece of evidence and say, oh, look, you know, we should stop using vaccines altogether. Mm -hmm they're going to be able to rightfully, you know, show that this was a big disaster, um, you know, which is one of the reasons why it is such a slow process, unfortunately. It's just the way it has mm -hmm. to be because there does have to be such adequate testing. So that's one thing that I'm personally very worried about. So, you know, I certainly do hope that it works out, of mm -hmm. course, but, uh, you know, I would not be, you know, s signing up, unfortunately, mm -hmm. um, to, to, to take this. So, uh, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, I, know, I know definitely from, from what I've read, though, that uh, the international science community is outraged by this, uh, this situation. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that just about is it for international stories. Let us move on. That's such a happy intro to COVID. <laughs> Yay, COVID. Jeez. Oh, so, are you ready to talk about COVID? I think we have to. <sighs> 
Okay. Well, anyway, so uh, for those of you who uh, have not um, heard, so there's been this pandemic that's been going around. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the latest situation with COVID here in Latvia um, has been mostly pretty okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've had basically the same status quo since more or less the end of May, mm-hmm. where we've had, or beginning of June, you could say as well, um, where we've had single-digit, low-double-digit amounts of daily COVID cases. Um, And, you know, the the amount of deaths here in Latvia has still been very, very low compared Mm -hmm. to the rest of the world. So over the last few days, we had three new cases, 10 new cases, which was, you know, the most for the entire week, four new cases, one new case, seven new cases, seven new cases, one new case, zero new cases today. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, today, there was one new death that was uh, was reported. So um, you could say that the situation here compared to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. you know, compared to a, a lot of other countries is more or less under control. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of the restrictions have been relaxed. Okay. So, um, o- over time, I mean, basically throughout the entire summer, we have had restrictions slowly relaxed. Uh, there was one week where there, it seemed like we had a, um, you know, like it was the beginning of the second wave. It turned out to just be a very short term spike, um, you know, which was also related with mm-hmm. a lot of people coming home from other countries. Uh, and you know, in, in that week there was some additional, reg- um, restrictions added to just restaurants um but more or less it that that has been the case so so the um you know restrictions have been slowly relaxed uh so now um at outdoor events um uh you, you can have more people uh, you can have up to a, a thousand people um indoor events so uh at catering sites uh they can um and, and these are like you know the, the, this term gets used a lot catering sites in in the english language um latvian media but basically we're talking about you know um cafes um you know bars mm-hmm. uh, anything that serves food or drink things that you can consume legally uh so so these are um you can work until 2 a.m again um, so, uh, and, you know, a, 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 a lot of these, um, uh, you know, thing, things that have been, um, you know, put into place are, are being, um, being taken away. So bars, nightclubs can work longer, um, you know, religious venues can work longer. Um, but still we are trying to observe the two meter distance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that is required just about everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, people from the same household are, are expected to be, um, together. So, uh, eight people who are not, um, from the same household can 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 sit together. So uh, again, you know, I strongly suggest checking the English version of LSM for for all the mm-hmm. for the latest because you know again we only you know record once a week. Uh, you can check our Facebook page as well, mm-hmm. Latvia Weekly. Um, you know, we do also post these um, as as much as we can. But you know, this is not our full time job mm-hmm. certainly. Uh, so you know, we um, you know definitely suggest looking at other places. Uh, Otto, do you think that this is the right decision to continue relaxing these restrictions or? Is this because, you know, again, Mm -hmm. there's two sides to this public health economy. Are we focusing too much on bringing the economy back up and and putting public health at risk? What do you think? Well, um, I think that we have to find a way how to deal with this permanently, because as we can see, the coronavirus is not going away. And at least in my understanding, it will uh, become uh, something like another flu, 
not in the sense that I'm comparing it uh, from a medicinal point, um, uh, um, like the, the disease to disease, but uh, to the way how we uh, deal with the flu uh, uh, as something that is happening all the time, recurring, uh, mm -hmm. especially some uh, times of the year or perhaps all the year, and something that we have to uh, think about uh, all the time because uh, th this uh, seems to be the case and uh, this apparently will be uh, the new normal. Um, if we talk about economy, uh, these measures have certainly been expected. If we talk about entertainment venues, uh, many of them have been complaining that these restrictions to work until the midnight uh, would uh, lead them to go bankrupt, uh, which would mean that, uh, well, um, people may become healthier or there could be uh, even uh, less cases at the same time people would have nothing to provide them with. Uh, so th that is a very uh, heavy uh, dilemma and uh, probably we have to continue uh, by uh, uh, trying to, to uh, compartmentalize this by mm -hmm. taking care of those people who would be more affected such as the elderly people like people uh, with already um, um, several um, pre-existing conditions that uh, could be worsened by getting COVID and uh, trying to uh, get uh, back uh, to uh, things at least partially as it used to be. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that was also updated this week aside from just the uh, restrictions is the list of countries mm -hmm. from which you can yeah. enter Latvia without needing a 14-day uh, uh, quarantine. And unfortunately, with the situation as it is in um, you know the rest of Europe getting a bit worse, um, or significantly worse in, in some places, unfortunately, the list is shrinking. Mm -hmm. um, so, so usually we uh, read all the countries where there are restrictions, mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, it's easier, uh, Otto, you, you prepared the, um, th mm -hmm. this list. Th these are countries that you may travel to or from and uh, not need to be quarantined afterwards. So, so it is a pretty short list now, and that list is Germany, Norway, Lithuania, Slovenia, Estonia, Slovakia, Italy, which is um, very, very, very good news for mm -hmm. because we do have a lot of Italian listeners. You have family in Italy as well. Yeah. Um, Liechtenstein, Finland, Hungary and the Vatican City. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, if the Pope wants to visit Latvia again <laughs> in the near future, Certainly. he is uh, more than welcome to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would strongly suggest the Pope, you know, be, being the age that he is to uh, not do any unnecessarily uh, travel. Um, so, yeah, other than that, uh, you know, the, if, if you're coming from other countries, there, there is a recommended uh, quarantine. And, um, you know, for, for countries that do not have some kind of uh, visa agreement with, uh, with Latvia, withstanding, you know, either Schengen zone or, or some other similar agreement, then there is, um, you know, be, the borders are basically closed for non-essential non yeah. travel. Uh, and you can find this information. Uh, there is this, um, uh, for example, I found this information uh, on Facebook, uh, which was uh, published by our Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs. So uh, there are certainly uh, many places where you can get this information from and uh, stay uh, on track with uh, whether or not uh, it is safe to travel, is it mm -hmm. recommended to travel uh, to some of these countries and whether you have to tell, take a, a self-quarantine for yeah. this period because it is not only, let's say, uh, saving yourself from your uh, relatives and uh, people that you care very much about, but for example, if you have had a doctor's appointment scheduled in Latvia and you come from a country uh, that is uh, colored uh, yellow or red in this list, then uh, you should be uh, best advised uh, to, to cancel this as not to jeopardize the health of our uh, health specialists. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, we, we, we'll, we'll continue looking at the situation. I mean, you know, school is coming up right now. All yeah. the schools are coming up with their own uh, specific, um, you know, uh, gu- guidelines for how they're going to work. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we've talked about before the ministry's, you know, three plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be up to schools individually, uh, you know, in terms of how to carry these out. Because, you know, sc- as, as Carlos and I have talked before, um, you know, school way out in, you know, Vetspiel Balga has a completely different situation mm-hmm. than the school, like in the, you know, in the center of Riga, some mm-hmm. massive gymnasium. Um, and, uh you know, so uh, and when it comes to foreign students, there's still a lot of question marks mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, are they going to be allowed in? Because, again, you know, if, if they're from those countries, you know, Ger- mm-hmm. Germany, um, you know, Norway, it's not a problem. But if they are foreign students, you know, coming from, you know, uh, other countries, you know, how is it going to work? Are they going to have in-person studies? There, there's still a lot of um, unclarity. So, yeah. so definitely uh, keep an eye on that. Um, speaking of school, though. So school is coming up very, very, very quickly. Uh, there is good news for lecturers like Otto and I, um, and that is that, um, you know, kind of as has happened many, many, many times, there has been strikes or protests that have been promised for unfulfilled promised salary increases. That was a great word salad right there. Um, you know, we, we've, we've t- uh, talked about this over and over and over again. Uh, every few years, uh, you know, there is a planned, you know, salary increase or what, what, what happened at least in the last few years. You know, I, I don't want to give the whole history because th- this is a very sad, sorry history that goes back a very, very long time. Um, but, uh, you know, in the 2008-2009 financial crisis, there was a massive pay cut for all government employees, more or less, teachers included. And, uh, there have been, you know, planned salary increases. Well, the previous government um, under Mars Kuczynskis, they agreed to a timetable with the Latvian Teachers uh, Union, and that timetable, unfortunately, did not have some kind of concrete funding plan, and that is something that the Latvian uh, government is notorious for, unfortunately. So uh, when the new government came in, they originally said, well, sorry, we can't, you know, fulfill this timetable. It's just impossible. We don't have the money. And every single time there, you know, because the, the, these um, increases usually happen, you know, around the 1st of September, you know, um, uh, because that's when the new official year starts. That's when contracts go into force. There's always planned protests, planned strikes, and then they always find weird little money under the table. Mm-hmm. No, not under the table, but like, you know, behind the couch, something, you know, it's like when you're, you know, like lo- looking for coins under, you know, underneath your couch or in the, your backpack or whatever. Uh, they always find a way to do it, and they did it again this time. Mm-hmm. So we already knew that uh, teachers were going to get, uh, at least teachers in high school and in primary school were going to get a salary increase. But um, Otto and I as well will be, uh, well, uh, at least in our university jobs, we'll be getting oh, a, yes. a salary increase as well. Um, I will not go through the details of what those increases look like because it's very complicated, as Otto knows. If you're a poshnedzes or a lectors or a docents or professors or... You know, probably we'll be able to report more on this one so we get our paychecks. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell you. Well, actually, I don't want to tell you what I'm getting because it's, it's not a little bit depressing. But um, but yeah, but so it, it's, um, at least in the university system, uh, the minimum is based on your, your qualifications and also your elected mm-hmm. positions. And it's mm-hmm. very, very formal. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, high school and primary school, it's a little bit easier because there is a, a official minimum that that everyone gets and then uh, it can be higher or lower also based on your uh, your uh, municipality mm-hmm. you know a lot of municipalities give uh, extra funding as well if you're yeah. a state gymnasium you get an extra 10 percent. so uh, we will talk about all this when we do our episode about education mm-hmm. um sometime in the near future so anyway that's good news for auto and i 
Uh, anything else you want to mention about uh, salary increases, or can we move on well, to... Probably that's that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But one thing the coalition had a harder time um, yeah. agreeing on is the real estate tax system. And as we've talked about many mm-hmm. times, there is the big elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is tax uh, reform. So uh, different smaller elements of this have been agreed to so far. So you know, we, we were expecting that there would be kind of this major tax package. Um, you know, as has happened previously, mm-hmm. you know, usually, you know, they'll, they'll sit down and they'll make this big package, but so far it seems, um, puck up in a ski, step by step. So, so Otto, what exactly, um, does this new real, uh, estate tax, um, uh, you know, what, what are the proposals and, and basically what is, um, you know, probably going to, um, happen at the end of the day? Uh, so, uh, here there is this, uh, issue of, uh, the, uh, load of the real estate tax on uh, residents of Latvia, especially that it has a preset percentage of the cadastral value or the um, assigned value of uh, a property, both the land and the buildings. And uh, one um, goal or aspect that the government is yet to do is to um, agree on the uh, new cadastral or like base values uh, of uh, these uh, properties. And this would also be uh, the um, value from which uh, one calculates the real estate tax. And uh, there is this percentage of this value that then you have to pay yearly uh, for uh, your, uh, for example, house or apartment and also the land uh, that it is situated uh, on. And mm-hmm. so if you have a garden or several properties, then, of course, you have to pay for uh, each of them. And uh, there are uh, some aspects of this uh, real estate tax, uh, some ways in which the government uh, can give some uh, exemptions, for example, for uh, people who uh, live uh, below the poverty line. Or um, I, I think it was also the, the, some uh, other few um, points uh, there. Uh, and also there uh, is a, a bit of room of maneuvering uh, for uh, each municipality to give uh, some kind of uh, reductions because uh, the real estate tax uh, is then assigned to the uh, res- your respective municipality. Mm-hmm. If I'm uh, living in Riga, it is uh, um, not only my income tax that would go to the Riga municipality, but also if I have an apartment in Riga, then the real estate tax that I pay uh, also goes to the municipality. And this, the total amount of this tax is, um, I think, uh, at least more than uh, 200 million euros, So, it, which is a significant uh, Part of uh, income for uh, many municipalities. Uh, no, wa- no wonder. Uh, <laughs> and, si- and single-handedly funds uh, Riga may in, in in Riga because because w- w- wasn't it that the entire um, the entire like subsidy of uh, of Riga may was like the entire um, uh, money from the property tax at one point? Well, uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't well I, that I think year? it well uh, uh, it, it is not the case that all of that real estate uh-huh. tax income goes to Riga, but certainly the the amount that uh, I, I think it's the case that the budget yeah. for Riga Sadikme was something around two hundred million crazy. euros. Yeah. And that's the amount that uh, they, they get uh, when they tax in uh, their real estate. Good luck to the tax. new government that gets elected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the election a yeah. little bit at the end. Uh, uh, and so, um, as we can see, uh, especially with the Riga uh, city municipal election coming up, yeah. uh, it has uh, become an issue because, of course, uh, uh, Riga is the biggest city. You would have the biggest part of the population living there. And so many people in Riga would be affected, especially uh, that the base values of land and property are higher in Riga, mostly than in other parts of the country. Uh, Also here is uh, not only a municipal issue, but also a national one. Uh, The um, uh, new Conservative Party um, has uh, been trying to push for a a 
quite high uh, threshold of uh, 100,000 euros as yeah. this uh, basis uh, from which you do not take the real estate tax, so that you would uh, take it only from values that are higher than that. At the same time, you would have uh, other parties such as KPV, also uh, with uh, Mr. Zakatistos being the parliamentary secretary of the Ministry of Finance, mm -hmm. who are objecting to this, uh, claiming that, well, the municipalities have to have uh, this as a significant source of income, mm -hmm. and uh, there has to be uh, another way. Uh, so it's the question uh, to whom uh, like these changes uh, will hurt most and how it will turn out electorally. Yeah, we, we will talk briefly about the election at the end. Um, but speaking of real estate and also mm -hmm. money, so another story this week was about a new rent law, uh, mm -hmm. which has been proposed and is causing a lot of controversy. Uh, can you take us through that as well, Audit? Because a lot of you uh, listening, you know, are mm -hmm. paying rent in Riga yeah. and uh, would like to know how this might affect uh, you. Yeah. So uh, in uh, Latvia, uh, there are uh, two things that regulate the relationship between uh, a renter and a landlord. So uh, one thing that uh, probably uh, most of our uh, listeners who, who uh, actually rent an apartment in Riga or somewhere else, uh, you have the rent contract between uh, you and the landlord. But the other thing which is uh, more important in uh, Latvia as a civil code nation uh, uh, is uh, the specific uh, rent law that uh, describes the basic principles of uh, what uh, landlords and uh, renters uh, can or uh, cannot do. Mm -hmm. And now uh, there uh, has been a, a push uh, for changes in uh, this uh, law and uh, apparently the uh, proposed uh, new law or the amendments uh, in this relationship uh, would uh, make uh, um, any kind of uh, dispute resolution faster and mm -hmm. uh, would uh, then uh, make it uh, uh, easier to deal with any uh, troubles or uh, conflicts between uh, the person who rents the apartment and uh, who the person who rents it out. Uh, we have heard positive reviews from uh, different associations and representatives of landlords because yeah. th that would, for example, make it easier uh, to uh, um, uh, vacate an apartment uh, mm -hmm. if uh, the person who rents it does not pay. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there is a lot of criticism, especially from those people who live in uh, the buildings that uh, have been termed in Latin as denationalized, mm -hmm. meaning the apartment buildings that were built uh, mostly under the Soviet occupation were state property, and uh, they were built on uh, private uh, property land uh, yeah. that was uh, then uh, taken away um, when the occupation started in 1940. So in 1991, once we regained our independence, there was this a problematic situation when uh, the private property owners, as they should, got back mm. their private property. At the same time, the houses that were built on it, uh, the, the ownership of them were in question. And uh, it, it is the case that, for example, uh, you have those people who rent the apartments and uh, keep paying quite reasonable rents for them, but uh, the owner of the land on which the uh, buildings are standing can ask uh, practically well, there were like uh, specific limits to what uh, the landowner could ask of as a, a rent. But now it is also about to change so that the landowner could ask whatever he wants as it is his private property. So uh, on the one hand, it is a very e 
economical and practical matter. On the other hand, it's also politically ideological. So the uh, role and the principle of uh, mm -hmm. private property, the sanct uh, sanctity of private uh, property, uh, and the social considerations uh, of this uh, Soviet legacy on the other one. Yes, welcome to the legal world of uh, post-Soviet Latvia, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, a lot of people also, you know, a lot of people won from those laws. A lot of people lost as well, and yeah. it's, um, it's it's unfortunate. But 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 it's uh, you know that that was just part of the process of you know returning to a capitalist system. And um, so I don't know, Otto. How how, how exactly do you expect this mm -hmm. to uh, do you play out? Do you, do you think that these um, these new regulations are going to come into effect, or do you think that there could be some um, amendments that are made? Uh, I think that certainly uh, the regulations will be amended. Mm -hmm. um, because it is, uh, and I think that uh, probably uh, the uh, the part that uh, favors the landowners uh, more or less uh, will go through because it is, uh, on the one hand, uh, clear that it is not a very good situation in which some of these uh, people who are renting it are. At the same time, uh, they couldn't have expected for uh, 30 years or so uh, to live in a subsidized housing because someone has to keep it up, someone yeah. has to pay for it. And um, as uh, for the latest OECD report, uh, the situation with the housing arrangements uh, is uh, not uh, the best in Latvia, taking into account the state that many apartment buildings are and uh, the, the conditions of uh, houses yeah. uh, in which uh, some uh, parts of the society live in. So if there's clarity about the rules of the game, then uh, perhaps it would uh, help to uh, provide better quality of housing and uh, better opportunities for everyone. Yeah. Well, um, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. A mm -hmm. um, couple other quick stories before we wrap up. So one, uh, I know a lot of you are very interested in the ongoing multi-decade now true crime drama of uh, Mr. Ivars Lemberg's, the um, you know very well-known mayor of Ventspils, um, who is also known as one of Latvia's top um, so-called oligarchs. Uh, and um, he, he's had an ongoing court case investigation for years and years and years now. Uh, so there was one update to the story. So Mr. Um, uh, Maroni, Maroni, no, Maloney. I always, I always no, get... No, no, no. It's, uh, I always get Maroni and Meloni uh, yeah, ma no. mixed up because one one is one is a uh, Italian uh, chef and um, and uh, Eurovision singer. The other is a um, Swiss uh, lawyer who, yeah, so, who is so the uh, arch enemy of Mister. Oh, I, I, I always I, I was thinking very hard. Like, what was the right one? So, Otto, I'm just going to let you take this. So here we are talking about uh, Mister Rudolf Meroni. Meroni, not Meroni. So no. <laughs> uh, so and uh, it, it is no laughing matter as yeah. uh, if, uh, here we are talking about. Uh, a lot of uh, resources that uh, Mr. Meroni, as a lawyer, uh, was uh, entitled to uh, take care of uh, while it was arrested. Uh, so, we, and here we are talking about uh, the uh, properties or uh, parts in uh, some properties that were uh, belonging to uh, Mr. Ivor Slambergs. And uh, while the court arrested these means, uh, mm -hmm. they also designated a person who would be in charge of them while they are arrested. Uh, so it. Uh, was Mr. Meroni and uh, apparently um, there have been some problems with this as... Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah. Uh, as, uh, How did they put him in charge in the first place? That, that's just... Well, I think it happened like sometime in the 90s and, well, it was the 
new uh, judicial system had, that yeah. had to deal with it and deal with it uh, for the first time. Uh, but it was also the case that, you know, there were some uh, politicians or people involved in politics that uh, employed uh, foreign lawyers who had uh, much bigger experience uh, in uh, these uh, legal situations uh, yeah. that uh, we or had. Or illegal in, situations or, in this case. No, but uh, here we are talking about yeah. uh, these uh, legal arrangements yeah. and aspects of law that were not present under the Soviet occupation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there certainly uh, this uh, asymmetry of information gave chances to uh, to quite a few people who used this in bad faith. And apparently this has been one of it. Uh, mm -hmm. We have uh, heard uh, many reports how this uh, position of uh, uh, taking care of these uh, means and properties was abused to, to provide for a luxury uh, lifestyle for this lawyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, uh, and also there have been accusations that uh, um, Mr. Moroni had uh, used this uh, to uh, gain a political uh, influence and support yeah. some political forces and some political players that uh, we can even see in the parliament today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th this goes perfectly with what you just mentioned about the last story as well, because yeah. that is part of the legacy of the Soviet Union and the Soviet occupation that people don't think about so much. Because mm -hmm. the one, you know, when you go to the Occupation Museum, for example, you know, what you see is, is, the, is the human cost, mm -hmm. you know, which is, of course, the most mm -hmm. important thing, you know, people yeah. who lost their lives, who lost their livelihoods. Yeah. But there's so many of these just little annoying, you know, things when it comes to the legal system, which was just completely thrown out and, and, and messed up. And, you know, it has taken years and years and years to move mm -hmm gradually from, yeah. you know, the crazy legal system of the Soviet Union to something resembling um, sanity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's all kinds of uh, unfortunate situations like this that, that have uh, uh, arisen as well. So, um, you know, and, and all, um, you know, th this is all taking place in Ventspils, which is, you know, a small town with a huge port, you know, and is easier to kind of, you know, do these machinations than somewhere in Riga. I mean, at one point, Ventspils was the largest port yeah. in, you know, when, when you look at the textbooks that you had in high school, you know, it still mentions that it's well, the largest port in Latvia. Uh, but Well, exactly. Because you know, uh, during the uh, Soviet period, it was uh, one of the key ports for exporting uh, oil mm -hmm. uh, from the Soviet Union, which was uh, making up uh, forty percent of the uh, budget. So yeah. it was a key export of the Soviets, and so that is why uh, Ventspils had such a developed uh, port infrastructure that was uh, very uh, well employed even into uh, the nineties and early two thousands, when the political situation changed and the oil exports uh, from uh, then Russia uh, stopped. Mm -hmm. So, moving on to something much less serious, if yeah. you are into outlet shopping, well, there's great news for you, because finally you can do it here in Latvia. You can go down to Pinchy, you can drop off your students at the International School of Latvia, and then go outlet shopping. You can go to, I, I don't even know exactly, I, I know there's a Puma store there. So, for, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with outlets, uh, I, I, you've, you've probably went to one of them in America as well. Yes. There's these like so cheesy it, little fake yeah, villages. It, it, like, yeah, it, it felt like, you know, like a movie <laughs> set, you have like this, they really uh, are. Um, I think you have like, uh, you know, uh, a lot of malls, uh, like one after another. Yeah, there's uh, these like little uh, discount. And, uh, yeah. All of it is usually like in uh, one story, so it's all one level. You can yeah. go uh, park your car in the middle or somewhere outside, and then like make a circle and go through all of them. And now we have something like that in Riga. Yeah. Well, uh, well, now or outside. It's, yeah. Yes, it's ju just outside Riga. When you go from Riga to Yurmala uh, yeah. by car, uh, mm -hmm. you can see it on the left um, uh, side of the road. Yeah. So if you're into outlet shopping, then uh, you can go yeah. uh, shop till you drop over yeah. there. Uh, and so. uh, hopefully it, it will be uh, beneficial because I would say that in general, even like uh, in comparison to, uh, well, not only the United States, but also the, uh, Germany, Poland, and uh, some other countries, uh, clothing in uh, Latvia mm -hmm. uh, is uh, 
more expensive than in many other places, uh, especially for the purchasing power that we have. Yeah, and, and these outlets, they're, they're basically trying to get rid of whatever um, stuff they can't sell yeah. in the big shops in the malls. Yeah. Um, I am personally not a huge fan of outlets. I, I love I love shopping malls, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I love Acropole, mm-hmm. you know, for example, yeah. the, the new one that was just built and, you know, those ones. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if, if you're into outlet shopping, so, you know, if you if you miss that, you know, if you miss that from home and, you know, you're, you're here from America, mm-hmm. then uh, there you go. So so get out to Pinchy. And, and there's a bus, too. You can take the number four bus. Yeah. Uh, and there's one other bus that goes to Pinchy as well, but, but it takes a much weirder route as well. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, anyway, a couple very last stories before we wrap up. So first of all, that self-driving bus here in Latvia, which we talked about last week, I erroneously mentioned on the show last week. I have two things I have to apologize for. One is much less serious, and uh, the other one is much more serious, unfortunately. Uh, so first of all, I, I do apologize. On the previous episode of the show, I said that the bus would be here next summer. Uh, it turned out that it was actually next week, because yes. I, 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 I don't know why I, why I slipped that. Because, yeah, the, the bus started on Friday. So the, the mayor was there and everything. They had the grand opening. Um, and, and this is the bus. It's part of a European project. So this bus is, um, I believe it's a Norwegian company um, that, uh, that created the bus. And uh, there's different partners. And, and the basic idea, it's a small little bus. There's just six seats and then kind of like a few standing places. It's to test out the possibility of using these small kind of uh, shuttle. They call it last mile travel. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're trying out here in, in Yelgava. Uh, and it's kind of become a little bit of a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. So I went on the bus on Saturday with my daughter and my wife and, and uh, also my daughter's friend and my wife's friend. And, uh, you know, I did a little live video. So some mm-hmm. of you probably watched this live video. And, uh, you know, as we were going, there was this huge bus of um, tourists that came off the bus. And growing up in a town which, you know, has tons and tons, Portland, Maine has massive amounts of tourists. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to, you know, my, my dad and I would be trying to drive a lobster truck down the wharf and these tourists would just be totally clueless. Like, look, you know, just we would be like, beep, beep, you know, please let us move by. And they'd be like, what, huh? People are doing work here. So, you know, the bus is going and there's all these people kind of like standing in front of the mm-hmm. bus looking around and I thought, oh God. So so I mentioned on the podcast, you know, like, oh, you know, look, look at these clueless tourists, you know, like standing in the way, you know, come on, you know, like like what, what a bunch of fools and everything. Anyway, um, so, you know, I got off and, you know, we posted the video and, you know, I got off and my, you know, uh, wife was talking with her friend saying like, oh, you know, it's, it's so great that the, you know, bus was able to stop uh, for those deaf people. So... My massive apology to those uh, deaf tourists and also to the uh, deaf deaf community in Latvia and everywhere in the world. Uh, just a very good reminder that you should always, um, you know, not judge originally because, you know, I'm so used to this idea that, you know, oh, if these people, you know, are looking around, they're just, mm-hmm. you know, the clueless tourists I'm used to. But you never know. So mm-hmm. let's always be careful not yeah. to judge. I am very bad at that. I've learned this lesson many, many times, but I never actually learn it. So my my deepest, deepest apologies to the people that I accidentally offended. Um, but also huge kudos to that bus because that was the best, you know, practical test that they were trying mm-hmm. to do. Here's a massive mm-hmm. group of deaf people. The bus didn't, you know, plow through them. They, you know, the, the bus stopped and, you know, it was going slowly and everything and, and it worked perfectly. So, the, you know, that was a oh, huge... That's good to hear. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it, it, it's really amazing, you know, so huge kudos to that. Um, you know, so we'll see what, you know, will happen with the future of self-driving buses here in Latvia. I still think it's going to be quite a ways away. I mean, this is a very, very small test and uh, all of the experts who've talked about these uh, self-driving projects here in Latvia say that, you know, our roads and our infrastructure and just the the people aren't really ready for it yet. 
Um, but uh, but definitely a cool experience. Mm. Did you get a chance to, to uh, take the bus? Not, not yet, but it would be interesting, you know. Uh, it is uh, very true about this uh, infrastructure. I think that um, uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., they have the subway system that actually is driverless. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, then you have, like, a designated track. It's a yeah. tunnel, and it uh, cannot, like, go, like, somewhere else as a bus can. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have heard also, like, in Scotland, you have these... Uh, I've heard about, like, this road that you, uh, you would have this uh, guy the road for bus so that it has like a specific track almost like for a train uh, where it goes to uh, perhaps uh, if, if they go forward with the investment in the well uh, the high speed roads or in general in road infrastructure that could be our future but that will certainly depend on the government mm-hmm. priorities in developing this infrastructure and also for the municipality yeah. to, to get the uh, <clears throat> all the roads uh, up to uh, the state of art level so that they uh, can be used because already our cars are so very automated uh, they have many systems like to yeah. read the signs and to read the, all the lines on, on the ground. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the future will come sooner than we think. Yeah. I, I just don't, my, my, my one worry about this is that, uh, you know, there were massive amounts of people cramming into mm-hmm. these bus because they could fit like up to like eight or nine people on the mm-hmm. bus. You know, I just really hope that, you know, two weeks from now, we don't have a massive spike of COVID cases in, you know, Yelgava due yeah. to the self-driving, uh, you know, COVID express or anything like that. Because there's also tours from other countries. So, yeah. you know, they, they were suggesting that people go as one, you know, family unit. So, mm-hmm. you know, which basically I did with my wife and my yes. daughter and, you know, like the friends that we spend basically all summer with. Um, but, you know, let's let's keep our fingers crossed that, that you know, the, the, this this isn't going to, you know, be an epidemiological, uh, you know, uh, come, come back to bite us or anything like that. Uh, one other public uh transit situation or you know city infrastructure urbanist experiment um that just came to an end was the turbo to mm-hmm. um uh, situation in uh riga situation uh, they, they shut down turbo to for for road traffic so it was a pedestrian street for the entire month um auto did you get a chance to go check it out oh yes uh, uh, several times uh, as uh, uh, i'm uh, living in the center of riga and uh, i was very happy uh, to use it uh, both uh, for transit like by walking there uh, to the old town uh, but also i was uh, very happy to see that uh, the uh, general noise was uh, lower because even though you had a lot of people there you didn't have traffic it helped uh, to, to decrease the noise pollution. Also, uh, we can uh, speak about an improvement in air quality because it is one of the uh, central streets there. And uh, also, uh, if you have like uh, less cars, not only on the Tarbat Street, but also on the adjacent streets uh, that would like to turn on Tarbat Street, uh, it also uh, made a difference. Uh, mm-hmm. It was also a, a, a pleasure for me to see that they have uh, used the potted plants all around the place and these different flags and decorations. Um, mm-hmm. Also the outdoor lighting, and it uh, felt like very European and something that uh, Riga missed uh, for a long time because yeah. um, I've, I recently returned from uh, Lithuania and they have um, uh, uh, quite an extensive pedestrian infrastructure, both in uh, Kaunas, where you have uh, one of the central s- uh, streets, uh, a pedestrian street, uh, and also uh, the case uh, in uh, Vilnius, where they also have closed uh, quite a few of the downtown streets for car traffic, making it uh, more pleasant for pedestrians and also for people who live there uh, to go around. Uh, I think it was also a necessary boost for economy because it gave a chance for uh, several uh, street food um, enterprises and um, uh, coffee shops and uh, other places uh, to uh, get like a stand there and earn some money yeah. and also like brought more people out uh, from the, the lockdown in the uh, f- center. So I hope that uh, this will uh, not be a one-time thing. Uh, 
it may be too difficult to to keep it going on like for um, every day all year long yeah. but you know there are some good examples such as in um, uh, I think it was in uh, Austin uh, Texas where they close uh, the 6th street from like Friday evening to Sunday evening yeah I mean like oh, there's tons of cities like yeah. you know Boston or Cambridge did that saw, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's tons of cities that do that um, but uh, do, do, you, do you think that uh, residents of Riga would generally be in support of this at least the ones that you talked to uh, in the center I would think that uh, yes th- there are certainly s- some uh, in conveniences for like people who live in uh, a building on Tarbat Street and have like a car but I- I- even like with that it like it is possible like to, to go in, in your like courtyard if you live there I saw that so there is always police there mm-hmm. and so they then regulate it all um, I think that there would be a great support both from the uh, businesses uh, and also for uh, many uh, residents and also uh, if we talk about us having something more to attract uh, the tourists within the center yeah uh, okay, that just about does it for um, the domestic stories of the week. And uh, that pretty much just about does it for the show as well. Just a couple last things to cover. So first of all, uh, if you are want to go out and about this week, I know that there are a bunch of city festivals all throughout the mm-hmm. country that you can go to. Uh, do you know any off the top of your head, Otto, uh, the city festivals that are happening oh, over the well, week? Well, uh, I, I think uh, part of uh, the events of this, uh, that were intended for the city festival will happen in Yalgov at the end of August. So there will be the... Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, here in Yalgov. That's right. So. Yeah, some, some concerts, some... Um, yeah, all, I mean, definitely, you know, we say it every week. Come to Yalgov. There's lots of cool stuff yeah. to do you know it, it, it really it really is great um you know there uh you can you rent these little boats uh you know either i was just on a pirate ship yesterday mm-hmm. with my uh with my daughter she was at a friend's birthday party uh so there's this pirate ship you can take around the river but you, there's also these catamarans these like um uh, what, what do you call them uh paddle, bo- paddle boards paddle boards right boats, yeah yes. paddle boards yeah, yeah. So, as you know i sound yeah. like a grandpa right now what, yeah. what are those things called that you stand on and like you have yeah. a little paddle uh, but you know like remembering the water is a very good idea because if we can believe the latvian meteorological service uh, the water um, in the sea, especially by, by the coast of Kurzem, so yeah. between Liepa and Ventspils, uh, will be uh, much warmer than it is usually. And, just freezing. Uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, this is also remembering that August is unfortunately coming to an end. This is probably <sighs> one of the uh, last uh, really warm or really hot weeks. So uh, I'm uh, fine with that. Yes, <laughs> not a fan <laughs> but, of the heat. No, yes, you, you all know that. so for uh, our listeners and viewers uh, who would uh, like to find a place where to refresh. Uh, Certainly, we can recommend to go to uh, any place between uh, uh, Liepāja and Ventspils, or even up like to the north of uh, Kurzem. For example, the TV net reported a very good yeah. idea. For example, to see the uh, lighthouses by the coast uh, there, and so maybe do a walking tour or, or drive around there. Uh, there is a pretty good infrastructure for that. Yeah, and by the way, for those of you um, in Riga who are looking for a beach to go to, I don't think we've ever suggested um, Lotmishims before. Um, but basically, I, I, maybe we have. But basically, if you drive up uh, the coast, so so go past, you know, don't go to Yormala. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like Yormala is fine, but but in the, in the peak season like this, you know, I mean, forget it. Like if you want to swim through, you know, bodies and you know, sweat and whatever. Yeah, um, it's, but, it's very crowded. Yeah. yeah. So 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 if you go further up the Ventspils uh, Highway and then um, you know, kind of uh, you know, take a take a right and then go through Chemerly, uh, you keep going up the mm-hmm. coast. You know, uh, basically, it's like the road to Tulsi. Um, so, so if you go past, uh, there's a bunch of really nice little villages. So there's like first Big Ounciums, there's Lotmesh Siems, there's um, Ragat Siems. Uh, there's a bunch of little uh, nice restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's also um, you know, some stands where you can get fresh fish or smoked fish yes. as well. You know, that that is the thing that locals do. You know, mm-hmm. people don't go to your... Okay, I mean, a bunch of people do go to Yermel, of course, yeah. because Yermel is very famous. Yeah. Um, but but that that is really, really cool. A um, lot of beautiful... And once you get past Ragat Siems, mm-hmm. there's this long stretch 
stretch of basically just forest where mm-hmm. there's this beautiful foresty dunes, um, mm-hmm. you know, right along the river, which you can even walk through. You can do some hiking and and beaching. Of course, on days like this, those are also relatively packed. Not as yeah, packed as like yeah. Urmelo or like you know, um, you know, Salis Grieve or something yeah, like that. But, but certainly you can, uh, especially if you are uh, on a car. Even though you can yeah. also access it with the Riga Ventspils uh, bus. Yeah, yes. So uh, yeah. It, it goes or right Angorle, past there. Yeah. Yes, uh, um, um, but um, you can uh, if you, if you have your own uh, vehicle or perhaps like you, you uh, get a vehicle together with your friends, you mm-hmm. can rent a vehicle and uh, go there to any of these little small villages just ahead, like if Ragatsims or Rapshatsims or Klapkantsims yeah. is just go further along yeah. and uh, you'll you'll find a spot uh, it, it's really and great it's a beautiful really drive nice. too yeah you know yeah. And, and you know Angori, all of it's really really beautiful yes. highly 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 yeah. recommended especially now yes um okay now we are actually at the end of the show couple of things we want to mention so first of all we have been promising for a very long time that we would have another episode about Riga City Council uh, there's a large number of reasons why um, that has not happened up until now we were actually planning on doing two episodes in a row and doing yeah. the episode about Riga City Council election right now um, we have a bunch of answers from the different political parties so the expats in Riga sorry the expats in Latvia Facebook group you guys came up with a list of questions we sent them out to the political parties or at least Otto did huge thanks to Otto I didn't really do anything um, and we did get answers from them um, so what we're going to be doing is we're instead of doing a uh, podcast episode we're going to be making an article so we're going to go question by question mm-hmm. and we're going to basically show what each of the parties who answered because most of them did answer mm-hmm. um, said uh Spoiler alert, they're almost identical to what their platform said, which mm-hmm. Otto already mentioned yeah. uh, you know, in our, in our episodes about the election. So if you want to hear about the election, you can go back to the episodes where we talked about it and the answers that the political parties gave are almost identical. Um, but if you want to read the actual answers, mm-hmm. we are going to be putting up on the website in a couple of days um, your, um, your hard work that you, yeah. that you did compiling yeah. all those and everything. Exactly. So uh, in the previous episodes, you could uh, see the comparison like party to party as we went through all of them, all 15 of them. And now uh, we will have uh, these uh, issues that were most uh, relevant uh, for you uh, that we will put up so that you can understand uh, where uh, each party stands on this mm-hmm. uh, with regard to the coming election in Riga. And then um, I'm going to put you on the spot right now because uh, so on the day of the election, the 29th, so that is my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. I will not be here. I'm going to be celebrating with her. Um, but that is the day of the election. So Otto, sometime that night, we haven't agreed on the exact time yet, but Otto is going to go live on the Lobby mm-hmm. Weekly Facebook page. He is going to talk through the results. He's going to do some analysis. There might be some special guests. Yeah. There might also not be special guests. We'll, <laughs> we'll find, find out later. Out. Yeah, um, but but definitely keep an eye on for that. If uh, because that night, you know, you can also watch, you know, um, LTV one, but it is in Latvian. So mm-hmm. so Otto is going to probably do the only Latvian language. I'm uh, sorry, the only English language live stream of the Riga City Council events. Yes. So definitely check that out on the Latvia Weekly uh, Facebook page. Because we'll try to figure out when the uh, first results will yeah. uh, come, so that we are able to be the uh, the first one that report on it, and then see whether our predictions have been true. And like what uh, the the possible uh, coalition uh, may be, because I think uh, it, it will become clear very quickly. Yep. Uh, also, if you're into creepy abandoned places, urban exploring, that kind of stuff, you can check out on the LatviaWeekly.com um, website, LatviaWeekly.com. Uh, I, I've been writing a series of articles about a mm-hmm. trip that Liga, my wife and I, did throughout the uh, summer, uh, last summer, uh, going to some abandoned churches. So uh, if you're into that kind of thing, you can you can check that out, and uh, you can also potentially visit some of those churches if you're really really into that kind of thing because it is um very cool 
and uh, and um, you know in, in interesting to check out, and they're very easy to social distance in because they are abandoned. So that does it for this week. Thank you so much, Otto. Thank you everyone for joining. Thank you to Andrew and Carlos for continuing the stories of the day on the Facebook page, and we will be back next week. I will be with Carlos, and also uh, we have a very special guest as well. I don't know if Otto will be here, but until then, Visalab, Visium, Visalab.